Hello and thank you for tuning in to Dream Slam, an all-women's wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Psycho Sawyer. So we're going to be covering three things on today's show. And before we get to any of those, I want to remind everybody that Cheap Pop, you can find them through Instagram and I believe you can find them through Facebook as well. Their uh, Akira Hokuto line still has a bunch of stuff available online. Not as big of a variety for the sizes on the shirts, but there are still flags and dad hats available. I recently received mine in the mail, and I'm happy to take a couple pictures and post what I got online. But definitely go and give them a look. It's, it's a really nice line. I look forward to seeing like what the next cycle in Joshi Wrestlers that get lots of cool independent merch are, because... Hokuto was one for a while. There was a couple good Miami Toyota shirts, but I missed all of those. I've got two Bull Nagano shirts. There should be more. I think my beef is that they always kind of, most people, use the same picture of her every time. Um, Dismantle does some really great varied stuff, and I feel like I just don't always actually make it to getting it. Like, it just falls on days where, like, I'm not going to be getting paid, and I'm not going to be able to get this. And it's beautiful, but it's not for me this time, I guess. Also, as a response to the feedback through the poll I put up on Twitter, I will be doing some more work to cover full tournaments for programs. Uh, I'm going to start up with the Tokyo Princess Cup with from Tokyo Joshi Pro. Like, I've already got that one able to watch. This is going to take a bit more time to do, and I'm probably going to be putting two shows per episode, if that's fine, unless we'd all have it be completely separate and not touching. If that's the thing that sounds like an issue to you, just give me a chirp and let me know. I'm easy to find on Facebook and on Twitter. So the first point of business that we're actually going to cover is Fighter Fest. Fighterfest is the first of any of the AEW program I be, programming I've been able to catch in full, which I'm actually kind of excited about. I've just not really had any luck finding it through any of the services that I watch wrestling through normally. So I also didn't get to see the pre-show. Honestly, I just got to see uh, Yuka Sakazaki versus Riho versus Nyla Rose. And I was pretty happy with it. Like, I've seen some people be like, oh, it was the worst match on the card. It was this, it was this. Like, I don't understand why people are unhappy with it. There was some stuff in it that wasn't amazing. And I feel like initially it came off as, like, a very basic, like, little guys versus big guy match. But I feel like there was some smart, interesting work in it. There were some really great, like, pinfalls and reversals that... Like, I thought were really innovative, and mostly they were just things I had never seen before. But I also feel like everybody in the match, it was well... What they did played well to their strengths and the things that they're incredibly good at, which is the best way to showcase people, especially in a relatively new company full of bodies that people aren't used to seeing yet. I feel like it was a good-to-fine match. Like, there was... There was nothing wrong with it. I look forward to Nyla Rose seeming like more of a beast. I like. I feel like she could have been a lot more menacing, but also Yuka and Riho just seemed like they were game for the challenge, so that's not 100% on her, you know? It was overall a fun match on a pretty good card, and... I just really want to see them include more women, really, in the next event. Like, there was the one match... 
on the pre-show, it was Allie and Leva Bates. Originally, it was supposed to be Kylie Ray and Leva Bates, and that was changed, and I don't remember seeing any notes on why that happened. But I feel like they've uh, they've done a good job of showcasing a few of the people on their roster, and there's a handful that have also not even made it to any events yet. So I don't necessarily understand why they're holding on. Like, you can only put so many people on a card, but considering all the, like, three, like, three, six, eight-man matches they have, pretty sure you could have just made it a, like, a four-way match instead of a three-way match and put Sadie Gibbs in it. I could be wrong. I don't know. The second thing that I had wanted to talk about was somebody had made a list... Uh, they had made a post talking about how there was a bunch of women who hadn't been on TV since WrestleMania. And if you double-check, so I actually made a list. There's uh, 14 women each on SmackDown and on Raw. And so I made a list with like when the last time they had even been on TV was. And the furthest removed one is Tamina, who hasn't been in since around Money in the Bank. For the tag titles, I believe. But, like, there's a lot of folks that, yeah, the last time they were in the ring was WrestleMania. Uh, Asuka and Kairi Sane haven't done a show, uh, like, a televised show since May, which is now two months ago. Maria Kanellis has seen more work since WrestleMania than Dana Brooke has. And Maria Kanellis doesn't wrestle. So, this was a weird list to look at. Uh, There's also some folks like Mickie James and Lana and Alicia Fox haven't even been really doing house shows. So I wonder what's up with them separately. Uh, Mickie James just put a bunch of new t-shirts on her pro wrestling tee shops in case you want a bunch of shirts about MILFs. Which... That's her brand. That's, that's cool. I think she should go for it. I'll try and find the article that I initially read and repost it so y'all can see it. I can also like post the list I had made of when the last time people were actually seen in Ring was. Which, it, it's like a line between being like interesting and being kind of sad. There's there's some very frequent folks, like Bailey's probably done more matches on TV this year than probably anybody else. Uh, since Alexa Bliss came back, she's been doing great. After Lacey Evans got, like, put up on Raw, she's been incessant and just, like, won't go away. But, like, I feel like Becky Lynch isn't even having that many matches post-Mania as she was beforehand. Like, Charlotte hasn't even been on TV since the beginning of June. And she was, like, for the longest time, I feel like she was somebody that was regarded to be, you know, over-pushed and much more present than maybe all the folks were into. But this is uh, interesting to digest, if nothing else. So the stardom show that we're covering today is Saki Kashima's Homecoming Show. This is a shorter card. It has five matches on it, and the opening one is Sayalita versus... Zaya Brookside. This is an odd match. So, 
on one hand, there's, um, like, Zaya has four years experience. Saya has about less than one, is how it's listed online. This was a really good training match. It was a really good basic, we know that you are learning how things work match. So there's nothing wrong with it on that front. Um, Sayalida takes a lot of shit from Brookside for the first three quarters of the match. She doesn't get in a ton of offense on her own. Uh, she mostly just takes a lot of damage, but you can very clearly see Brookside like walking into position and waiting for her in things and like uh, calling for her, which isn't ideal. I know that there's been spots I've had, like, in matches I've had where I'm sure if you watch it back, it's either me or the other person, like, obviously talking. Or obviously just, like, waiting to get kicked. And I know that it's not great, and I, I just strongly don't like seeing it on other folks. Part of me just wants to feel like everybody else in the world does better at this than I do, so that's why they just can't possibly be doing a bad job. There is some, like, there is some pretty, like, fierce moves that do come in. Like, when people start throwing drop kicks, people are getting sent, like, halfway across the ring on them, which is kind of neat. There's a really, uh, there's a really good sequence as well where Saya repeatedly, like, very demandingly tries to pin Brookside, but, like, she starts out one way and it goes through, like, three or four different ways. And she's, like, obviously trying. You can still see a little bit of, like, feeding and putting yourself into spots for it. Which isn't great, but if it's how you get your match done, it's how you get your match done. It wasn't unenjoyable. It was less exciting than I'm used to stardom opening matches being. But this is also a really, like, practically well done match, in spite of the complaints I'm having about it. Like... There is nothing mechanically wrong with it. This is a great match for showing people and teaching them, like, this is how you take a heat, this is how you do a shine. No, if there was a shine in it, but, you know. The second match on the card is a three-way match between Death Yamasan, Leo Ozanaki, and Natsu Sumire. This, I feel like I've gotten really used to seeing, uh, Yamasan to seeing Death in Oz Academy, because that's the last two places I've seen her. So, it's- I forgot that she switched and she does, like, face paint and a whole different thing here. Um, I thought the chemistry of this match was actually pretty fun. You get those little bits of connections where some people have known each other, like Natsu and Yonayama. Getting along four parts of it, and Natsu ultimately just being the one who's a little more trusting than she needed to be. There was a good amount of action. Do you mind? Sorry, I have a cat. I forgot that I brought home groceries in a paper bag, and it's her favorite thing right now. So you might hear more of her, or she'll be more polite, but we're going to have to wait and find out. I feel like Leo definitely seems like the baby in this match. Like, I know that Yonayama and Natsu both have a bunch more experience, but Leo really holds her own inside of it. I do feel, though, like her being the person that ended up tapping out in the end really felt the most likely to happen to me as well. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Death Yonayama got 
dealt with decently quickly through the match. Like, she'd be in for a bit, and then she'd be out, and it would just go back to being Natsu and Leo, who, like, they do some good work together. But I was not terribly surprised at all that Natsu went over in this match. Also, for anybody else that watches this, what is her entrance music? Because I know that I've heard it in a non-wrestling context. Like, I don't know what the song is. But I'm very, very sure that I've heard it before. Not a bad match. Everybody did their jobs really well. This one was also only like five minutes long. The one before it was five as well. Which is definitely not a bad thing. Part of me would rather watch... I think there should be a range, and I'm definitely a fan of shorter matches than longer matches, because I'm pretty sure I've made the exact complaint in the past that this match was half an hour long. How dare you make me watch a match for half an hour? <laughs> it was fun. It was a nice little match. The third match on the card is a tag match with Bobby Tyler and Zoe Lucas versus Arisa Hoshiki and Tony Storm. I do know that there's a, a really big um, Arisa match that I haven't watched, and I think it's on one of those weirder cards, but, like, I saw the internet kind of lose their shit over it, so I feel like I should backtrack it and watch the whole show it's on and also watch that. So you start out with Tony Storm and Bobby Tyler. They feel pretty well-matched, or there's no, like, Tony's really good, in, good at getting out of shit, Bobby's really good at putting her in it. So it doesn't really feel like there's any, like, loss there. Um, but as soon as Zoe Lucas gets in, uh, and Arisa gets tagged in, she goes, like, right for a banana split. Zoe repeatedly goes for the same moves, like, the same full sequences of things, which is why I bring this up, like, it's not a good thing. Because uh, you can go for, like, a big choke in the corner, and then you distract the ref again, and you go for another one with the arm. And then you go for a spinning heel kick, and it's cool. And if, you're, if your opponent falls for that more than once in a row, with you doing the exact same conga line of shit, that makes them look bad. That makes them look stupid. It makes it look like you don't know that many things. Also, which I feel is potentially the more condemnable offense there. So we do see Arisa like, take a lot of a beatdown. Tony Storm gets in, uh, lights up Zoe Lucas, takes care of Bobby Tyler. There is like a bit of tension towards the finish because you do get the, um, like, the real cheaty edge with Bobby Tyler and Zoe Lucas doing their own thing. But you also, like, Tony and Arisa are on a hot streak. I think it's kind of weird also that Tony Storm has wrestled more in stardom so far this year than she has for... Uh, for WWE, even though she technically works there, too. But yeah, with the hot streak that Tony and Arisa are on, I'd be quite surprised to see them lose, honestly. Uh, and they didn't. Surprisingly, though, Arisa is actually who gets the uh, finish on this match with, like, a stellar knee strike. Honestly, three out of four of the people in this match I'm pretty big on. One of them, like, I just... I just don't know. Like, there's something that feels very, like, silly and not taking it serious uh, that doesn't quite sit the right way with me, and maybe that's the thing I'm going to grow out of. Honestly, like, I'm willing to say that maybe I just need to watch more of some of the people in these matches and not have one or a couple matches that I don't like t uh, tilt me against them. 
This was a well-structured tag match, though. I feel like there was a really good show of strength. This match was one that, like, it's easy to watch it and say that this is why people like Tony Storm. Uh, her work in NXT UK has not been, like, below her skill level at all, but has also been... hasn't been a lot of it. Hasn't got to do a ton. Mostly, she gets beat up until she pulls a finish out of nowhere, and I think that's not how you make somebody look like a good champion. So, if you want to see the argument for why folks like Tony Storm, this is a very nice little place to start. Our fourth match on the card is a 4-on-4 tag with Queen's Quest and Odeo Tai. So, we've got AZM, B Priestley, Momo Watanabe, and Otame Hayashishita versus Natsuka Tora, Nick Kagetsu, Hazuki, and Andres Miyagi, who I still feel like I have not seen enough of as far as stardom goes. The match starts out pretty straightforward. Um, we do... The second two people tagged in are AZM and Konami, and I'm still... I know that they got split to different company, different factions, but in my head, they just go together. But I really feel like Konami steps her game up, like, really amazingly. She's, she seems like such a threat in the ring at, at all times. It's, I think it's really impressive. So Odeo Tai does, like, cycle and tag through pretty much all her people earlier on in the match. Uh, B Priestley is the last person brought in, and she comes in with a couple, like, big moves and big shots. You do start seeing more of the four-on-four team-up things, like getting everybody paired off, or like having, like having more of the group involved with things. I feel like one of my more favorite spots was actually uh, earlier in the match. Miyagi had, I believe, AZM. It was doing the like head banging into a Russian leg sweep spot. And you saw a couple of folks like hiding on the outside, but also you saw like Natsukatora had somebody on the outside and was making them do that as well. It seems like there's a good like casual harmony between Odeotai. It seems like they always kind of know what each other's up to, so they know where they do and don't need to intervene, where I feel like Queen's Quest seems... They have a common goal, so they're friends, but I don't know that I see them as allies. I don't know if that's a an odd critique, but like I feel like each of them would throw each other under the bus just to get a little further ahead in the company. I Part of me really enjoyed B Priestley's spots in the match, but they were also so small and so few that like it made me wonder if she was injured or if she just hadn't really felt like super up to working that day. Or if there was something of that, because as somebody who's supposed to be such a big deal there, why would you not be putting yourself out there more inside of the match? Really. We do see uh, Kagetsu also like go nuts on, I keep wanting to call it a blue thunderbomb, and I feel like that's not the right name for it. But like, just really starts beating down Queen's Quest. I, in, is a Michinoku driver. That's what it is. God damn it. <laughs> I feel like Odeotai seemed to work more systematically through Queen's Quest as well, where it, did, it seemed like there was... Queen's Quest seems to work, like, 
for the conservation of the group, but not, it doesn't, just doesn't seem like they're trying to help each other that much. And it sits a little poorly with me that you'd think, you know, the gold chasers group, the big, like, best of the best inside of here, don't you think that they'd be wanting to preserve themselves a little better? Like, they lost. And they, I know they gave, jumped in and broke up a couple other tag, uh, pinfalls during the show, but, like, there's four of you. And ain't all four of you dead. I feel like you just wanted, you just wanted to, like, not have to take that loss on your own. Maybe I'm being critical. This was overall a good match. I enjoyed it up to the point where you started seeing the, like, super heavily uh, synchronized stuff or the attempts at it as well. I feel like one of my favorite spots with on that front was all of Queen's Quest tried to dropkick Kagetsu, and she just rolled out of the ring. And it gave the rest of Odeotai room to come in and, like, actually mess with them, which I thought seemed really smart and really self-aware. Uh, you know, maybe they're focused on winning-winning and not just trying to get gold, and maybe that's making them a better group for it. Who knows? So, before I start covering the last match, I need to make an adjustment to one of my calls. It was Hazuki that was in uh, Odeotai. In the eight-man tag, Konami is in Tokyo Cyber Squad. I got confused. This is my bad. I still don't have editing software. So, sorry for goofing on that. I got really excited about it. I mean, also, Hazuki's a beast. No wonder it's always been Hazuki trying to kill AZM. My surprise was for nothing, honestly. So the main event is for the Artist of Stardom titles, so that's their three, their, like, their trios tag. And you got Tokyo Cyber Squad, Hannah Kimura, Jungle Kiona, and Konami, versus Mayu Iwatani, Saki Kashima, whose show it is, and Tam Nakano. So this, this match started out kind of messy. You did have a Tokyo Cyber Squad, like, gang up right away and start taking folks to the outside and throwing them into the crowd. Uh, there's a lot of little... There's a lot of nonsense. I feel like overall the Stars team was trying pretty hard to get it back in the ring. Uh, there was also a lot, a lot of attacks on Saki Kashima throughout the match. Like, everybody else got beat up too, but like, she was in the match more than everybody else, and she also took a lot more damage than everybody else, which, I mean, kind of is a trade-off, but it's like her homecoming show, and it's supposed to be all, all nice and sweet and fun, and it feels a little bad, you know? You know, like, she got presented with this huge bu uh, bouquet of flowers when she came into the ring, and she got the, like, she just got beat up with the flowers, the uh, the finish for this match was a weird, quick little reversal. Like in watching it, I wasn't sure how this was gonna change, like how this was going to get reversed or kicked out of. Uh, it was a very snug hold. There had been a pretty good build of action as well, so to me, it really felt like that finish came a little bit out of nowhere. I didn't, I wasn't totally sure what was going on, but it was. A really nice finish to the match, like, with the context of everything. You really got to see Kashima shine after taking a whole bunch of lumps from the other team. 
And this was, I feel like this seems like a really nice homecoming show. Immediately after the match, you have Odeo Tai come in and, like, demand that they want to shop for the Artist to Stardom titles. Because they've, you know, they're also a team, and I feel like all the teams are equally vying for this. I feel like there's parts of this match that I'm having a hard time remembering. I don't know that that is necessarily on any of them. That might just be that some part of it didn't st stick with me well, and now I'm struggling to recall it for this, which is a bit of a bummer, but it also does happen. This was a really short card. I feel like that was almost a bit of a plus for it, because it did make it easier to just like sit down and watch and kind of remember the whole thing, I guess. I'm obviously not doing a great job of that. But, like, there was nothing too complicated. The title change at the end was really nice. You got, like, a, a bunch of feel-good moments throughout the show. So I feel like, overall, this was a nice little card. It's not the best stardom card I've watched, but there's also literally nothing at all wrong with it. And that's going to be Dream Slam for this week. As always, you can catch up with us on Twitter and on Facebook at DreamSlamAWWP. And I do post a little bit more updates for this on my Instagram, which is actually embarrassed to be human. All one word. You can also email the show, or if you're feeling particularly stoked on it, we do have a Ko-fi fundraiser that you can donate to pinned at the top of our Twitter. Please be sure to check out our friends Dismantle on Instagram as they do short release special items for loads of different wrestlers. And Cheap Pop, as brought up at the top of the hour, also does have their Akira Hokuto line still going. And that's, like, honestly, some great stuff. I really think it's worth checking out. So we'll be back next week. Thank you for hanging out with me, and have a good night.